A fire crackled merrily in the shattered hearth as juicy rivlets of fat dripped down from the spitted haunch turning slowly above it. The succulent smell of tender smoked meat danced around the crumbling rune that was the kitchen, buffeted by gusty drafts which leapt over the half-walls with abrupt puffs of snow. Mother wore her thick fur coat, which had seen better days, and her yellowing pearls, which matched her toothy, winsome smile. She hummed a seasonal tune in a manic and off-key tone. She was always a little manic and off-key when she sang. She was always a little manic and off-key. Flakes of snow gathered on her lashes and in her collar and melted softly. She didn't seem to notice them. Grandpere stomped around the corner, lugging another haunch of meat behind him. With a grunting heave and a wet thud, he slammed it down on the moldered wooden table. He pulled the rusty machete from his side with a hiss and began sharpening the blade against a well-worn stone in the collapsed wall next to him. On the other side of the wall, sitting on the steps, was the sun. The sun had deep black curls that gently brushed against his plump, mischievous cheeks. He was playing with a small bow, notching an arrow and drawing the sinewy tendon back in a comic exaggeration of a great hunter. It was a new bow, fresh with the rich smell of the wood and still bright with polish. The boy's eyes narrowed, brows coming together in fierce determination as he turned, bow still cocked and locked on some imaginary prey. The fierce brows shot up in surprise and alarm as the arrow hissed an unintentional arc through the air. It buried itself upright and reverberated into Grandpere's favorite chair. Grandpere's giant, shaggy head, which moved with an unnatural quickness at the moment of the arrow's release and tracked its path with his eyes, stared at the wounded piece of furniture for a long, frozen moment. Then his head turned slowly towards the sun. He hunched his back slightly, shoulders rising towards his ears, and he drew his elbows outwards while splaying his meaty hands into talons. His voice boomed, Who dares assault Monchet? And he made for the boy, eyes twinkling with bright humor through a veil of unruly hair. The sun giggled and screamed as he ducked away from the lumbering arms and wiggled with gleeful terror as he was scooped up and dangled from Grandpere's full height. Now, Sir Coquin, you shall guard our feasting table. Grandpere swung the small body over to one of the decaying straight back chairs on the other side of the dining table. Mine's a cutlery. It tends to stir the pot if not carefully watched. He snagged a yellowed skull off the upper shelf and ambled back towards the fire, ladling a sweetly spiced liquid the color of strawberry jam into the now hollowed cranial cavity. Mild assemblies for the petite monster. He set the cup before the sun with dignified fanfare. The stewed meninges sloshed as the boy sipped, legs swinging against the chair, and surveyed the chipped china plates awash in flickering light from the waxy, tarnished candelabra. Grandpere set to butchering, and suddenly there was a music to the kitchen. Slam! 
Mother hummed. The fire popped and crackled. Thud! The wind whistled. The machete swicked against the muscle, fiber, and bone. Slam! The boy's heel tapped the chair. Mother hummed. The sounds took on a rhythmic monotony that was broken only by the offbeat stomping of father's feet against the stairs. Father was also a large man, as large as Grandpere, with beefy arms and a belly given to paunch and a demeanor given to presumption. The kitchen could scarcely tolerate them both, and they could scarcely tolerate each other. Father started the fight, he nearly always did, poking the impatient, laconic bear that was Grandpere with little remarks and comments and asides. He sucked on his teeth and he peered over Grandpere's shoulder and questioned his choice of cut. There was an instant where Grandpere held his temper, his patience a thin wire straining against the dense weight of his outrage. And then Father extended one fleshy, intrusive finger at the lean abdominals of the disembodied torso on the table. That's where all the flavor is. And made to take the machete from Grandpere's hand. He jerked his arm away, insulted. My unfee! This is not some lavash bovine to be cut so carelessly. Pah! You would have a seat flank steak when the tenderloin is hiding behind the stomach cavity. Their fight grew louder as they began to shout and curse at one another. Grandpere emphasized a particularly controversial point with a thunderous slamming of a machete. Startled, the son began to choke. <coughs> though no one could hear him over the escalating sounds of the argument. Father moved to take the machete again, and Grandpa's poor thin wire of patience finally snapped. Flipping the handle in his hand, he thrust the machete into Father's stomach. <laughs> Mayhaps you're right. Grandpa's eyes glittered with vicious humor now. The blade slid in like it was but air. Father staggered back ripping the handle of the machete away from Grandpere. Mother shrieked discontentedly, only just noticing the commotion, and went to claw Grandpere in the eyes. But Grandpere backhanded her to the floor, and the son continued to choke. Father seized upon Grandpere's momentary distraction with Mother to snatch a carving fork from the counter and stabbed it into Grandpere's eye, driving the blade upwards, deep into the socket. Grandpere roared and grabbed wildly for the machete, clutching the handle and pulling it from Father's stomach with a violent jerk, then slashing it towards his neck. Father ducked and dove forward, tackling Grandpere to the ground while the machete clattered away. The son, still choking, fell from his chair and began to crawl towards the battling adults. None of them noticed. Mother had recovered by this point and began grabbing red-hot coals from the hearth with her bare hands, screaming in pain and launching them at the two grappling figures. Grandparent and father rolled against the rough-hewn stones and dirt, desperately scrabbling for the upper hand. Blood poured from their wounds and puddled on the floor. Grandpere rolled atop father, but father got his hands around Grandpere's neck and squeezed mightily. He beat at father's arms but could not break his grip. Choking and frothing, Grandpere's one eye buzzed frantically around in his skull. Then he gripped the carving fork still embedded in his other eye, yanked it out with a disturbing squelch, and plunged it into Father's throat. 
Father's grip loosened and Grandpere broke free, lurching backwards and away, panting heavily. Mother finally noticed her son, crawling out from beneath the table, still choking. She wailed and ran towards him, but slipped on the puddling blood and landed on her face near the dropped machete. She tried to make her way to her hands and knees and slipped again, skull bouncing against the stone floor. Father's laughter bubbled up crimson from his belly as mother finally found her feet. The machete now dangled from one pale hand. She growled at him with a sort of bone-deep lunacy, the sound arising over his laughter, then the machete swung down to silence him abruptly. Grandpere gave a grunt of approval, but Mother did not hear. She made her way, sobbing again, to the now deathly still little boy and clutched him in her arms, rocking and wailing. Grandpere's remaining eye regarded the boy with profound sadness for an instant. But he was a practical man. Sighing, he grabbed the machete from where it still lodged in father's throat and moved towards the grieving madwoman. Mother looked up at him and hissed frightfully, scrabbling away and dragging the son's body with her. Grandpere advanced stolidly. He seized the boy's limp wrist and tugged the body from her grasp. Mother hissed louder as she watched her boy slide across the floor like a rag doll towards the butchering table. Grandpere looked down at little Jack, gently lifted him from under the armpits, and sat him upright on the table. Then he took the rusty machete and began sharpening it against that same well-worn stone. Suddenly, Mother was upon him, clawing and scratching and pulling at his wild hair and scraggly beard and screeching. Ah! Grandpere turned and slammed backwards against the table, then again towards a tumble of stone that was once an archway. Still, Mother clung. Grandpere reached over his shoulder, snarled his hand in Mother's hair, then leaned over and ripped downwards. It threw off her center of gravity, and she tumbled to the floor then immediately lunged forward and buried her teeth into the fleshy part of Grandpere's calf. He gave a loud snort of disgust, drew his leg back and kicked her full force in the jaw. Mother flew backwards, momentarily stunned, then turned back towards the beastly old man, lips curling back to show tiny trails of blood from between her yellowed pearls of clenched teeth. Grandpere circled slowly, and she sidled across the floor in an opposite circle, stopping near the hearth where the fire still crackled merrily. He made gentle, shushing noises with his mouth and began to take small, slow steps towards her, stooping slightly. Mother stood slowly as he approached. The now matted tangle of her hair had fallen forward, covering her face. Closer and closer, Grandpere moved. But Mother did not. She remained aggressively still. Grandpere's arms suddenly shot forwards and Mother reacted almost instantly, snatching the iron poker angled against the side of the hearth, swinging it up and over her head, then arcing it downward and directly into the dome of Grandpere's skull. There was a splintering sound of bone. Grandpere's eyes rolled back in his head, and he seized violently, pitching forward as gravity pulled him downwards on top of Mother. 
Both toppled backwards. Mother's head slammed against the jagged stone of the corbel piece and cracked into the base of the inner hearth. Grandpa's breath wheezed to a stop, and for an instant, all was still. Then the smallest spark winked at the corner of Mother's hair. Then another, and another, a faint whoosh, and her head was crowned in flames. Mother's eyes opened and the silence was broken by an ear-piercing scream. She struggled out from Grandpa's body as the flames licked and caught her fur coat. She dragged herself across the broken stone floor, her scream one long, untenable note in the cold, clear night until, mercifully, it stopped. The fetid, sulfuric aroma of burnt hair danced around the crumbling room that was the kitchen. Flakes of snow gathered on the family's lashes and in their collars. They did not notice them. The wind picked up, and so did the snow, swirling in little eddies, dusting the bodies with a sugary coating. The crackling fire began to fade to a flickering flame and then to embers. From off in the distance came the faint sound of crunching snow. It grew louder and closer. Three thin figures emerged from the snow-swirling darkness, and crept towards where the red-hued ember light revealed the horrific tableau. Grandpere in a heap near the hearth, half-burned mother stretched in agony across the broken stone floor, just a few feet from where father lay in a gummy pool of blood. And little Jack, sitting limply atop the butchering table like a severed marionette. The figures stood and stared. Then the middle figure looped an arm around the waist of the larger one, and the other arm around the shoulders of the smaller one, and drew them both close as her eyes sparkled with tears. We'll eat well tonight, my family. It's a midwinter miracle. <laughs> <laughs>